welcome to Knock On Podcast, where we bring you archery information and education that you can trust. Knock On was created as a way to bring all archers together, regardless of the brand you choose or the style of archery you shoot. Knock On Podcasting will deliver professional insights to the latest gear, proper shooting technique, along with high-level equipment setup and tuning. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Knock On Podcast, and I'm pretty excited about this one because I've actually got one of my orthopedic doctors on here, Dr. McGee from Total Sports Medicine in Las Vegas, and this is going to be a cool podcast because we're going to talk about several things related to um, archery injury or archery injury prevention, and also some really cool new state-of-the-art Um, procedures that are becoming available on the market and something that I just recently went through in addition to what I had done to my left shoulder. um, I'm actually trying to get the last bits of my injuries that I've had, which is in my right pulling arm. Um, I have um, several different things that have been developing over the last five or six years Um, just from all the repetition of pulling my bow and just a lot of tendonitis and bone spurs and some pulling and straining and everything that's been going on the muscle on my right bicep and forearm and um, Dr. McGee who I've got on the phone right now um, was actually referred to me by Joe Rogan because Joe is a huge advocate of some new procedures involving stem cell And he has done some procedures himself with things to try to avoid major surgery and just can't believe what technology is doing right now. So, Dr. McGee, welcome to Knock On Podcast. Well, thanks very much for giving me the chance to come and talk with you. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. This is going to be really cool because um, I guess we can get into a bunch of subjects, but first and foremost... I want to talk about this last one that I have done, and I'm actually going to post a video so all you can see um, just how amazing this procedure is. Um, I actually had some some tendonitis and and some like tearing and straining in my right bicep and forearm that's just developed over years. It start to get extremely sore, um, but amazingly, Joe actually was convinced that some of what I had going on in my left shoulder could have actually been helped with this procedure as well. So um, I want you to just kind of describe what this procedure is, and I'm going to let you just kind of have the floor. But more importantly, um, well, I shouldn't say more importantly, but one important thing I'd like you to cover too, which was a big concern of mine when, when it was relating to stem cell, is there's so much negative press on where the stem cell comes from and what I really really favored about you guys there is where that stem cell comes from voluntarily and how the ethics behind it was still something that I was okay with so I'm going to let you talk about this and uh, I'll chime in if there's anything I think we need to hit on but uh, this is going to be really interesting to any of you archers out there this is huge and the reason I want to cover this is because a couple things one there's archers all around the world that go to vegas during the vegas tournament i flew out there and for two days i've literally 
completely changed my right arm. And actually, Dr. McGee is fascinated by how fast this is already um, working on me. But for all the archers out there, national and Olympic level athletes that are struggling with these types of injuries, this is a total game changer at what you can do. You could literally fly in, fly out, and in a lot of these injuries relating to archery or soreness or inflammation or tendonitis, um, we're going to be able to avoid surgery on some of those. So, um, Ralph, have at it, Dr. McGee. Well, I think, um, you know, from a, a broader category perspective, you know, biologic treatments are getting a lot of attention, and there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm and excitement on our end uh, to see and see if, you know, there are things that we can treat or do a better job with, uh, and in particular, in people back to activities and sports. And that's why there's a lot of um, press coverage and questions that are being generated about stem cells right now. Um, there's the first thing that I think, uh, you wanted me to talk about was, uh, exactly what we're talking about when we say stem cell, because it's a broad category and people use the term to mean a lot of different things. The first thing to know is we are not talking about embryonic stem cells. Okay. That is, uh, currently illegal. There's, uh, ethical and moral questions about, you know, harvesting cells from an embryo or creating embryos to then take the cells. You know, that at this point is, one, illegal, two, morally questionable. So what we're talking about is a group of, uh, and a category called mesenchymal or mesenchymal stem cells. And these come from a number of different locations, but primarily we see them in bone marrow, in our fat, um, and in amniotic tissue. The amniotic tissue um, and that whole line of the embryologic line, uh, we call it, comes from uh, healthy young mothers who have elected to donate tissue when they're having a C-section. So they've been screened. They go through a rigorous process uh, to be sure that there's no infection or other uh, potential contamination of the tissue. That goes through a process then um, and is uh, following strict guidelines from the American Association of Tissue Banks. And once it's gone through that, then these are now commercially available uh, and have, you know, we think they have great potential, but of course there's a lot of questions to be answered still. Well, so <laughs> I can tell you, for, I can tell you right now the from what Joe told me from his um, because he had a major, major shoulder issue. I mean, almost to the point where, uh, from what he told me, several the several doctors said that there's no way he was not going to have surgery. And now, I mean, he's doing 80, 90-pound kettlebell presses with that shoulder and shooting an 80-pound yeah, bow. He's, he's had an incredible response to um, the treatment that he's had, and he's done very well. Um some of the biggest questions remain, though, are exactly what types of these uh, stem cell treatments can be applied to what kinds of injuries, what's going to work best, uh, what should the appropriate dose be, does the treatment need to be repeated at different intervals, 
um, and, and who's going to benefit most from it? Because at this point, we've got a lot of excitement, and now more and more press coverage, which is drawing patients to the office asking questions. And that puts us in a difficult position because, you know, we want to be cutting edge and we want to be, uh, you know, leaders in what we're doing and, and offering people the most current uh, best practices. And we have these things available. That's what's kind of unique about it is that it's available ahead of a lot of the data collection. Normally, things have to go through a rigorous process of, you know, basic science and then animal trials and then human trials. And that's where the FDA is even a little bit unsure of how to categorize some of these treatments. Is this a biologic treatment that has already been given approval, um, or is it actually a drug? And that's where they, they draw the line in that if you are manipulating the tissue to a certain degree, now it goes into the category of a drug. And if it's a drug, that means it has to go through the FDA process before they can officially tell the public that it's both safe and effective. But because it's in this other category where it's, it's been used and allograft or tissue that comes from another person is used on, on uh, different patients, that has been approved for use. And because that's okay, then these treatments are now available ahead of a lot of research that tells us exactly how good it can be and for what kinds of conditions. We have a lot of the basic science research, and we even have some animal studies, but we've seen in the past where these things don't always equal, you know, success in people. And what we have to be careful of in the sports medicine community is too much variability in what we're treating and how we're using it and what the techniques are because then you get a mix of responses, and we don't really know. We may end up dismissing a treatment that could have been very good, but it just it didn't get um, a good initial response because there were so many different ways that people were doing it, but getting grouped into one, one category, uh, you know, all under stem cell. So that's kind of the dilemma. We, we've got this thing that there's a lot of excitement about, um, a lot of encouragement from patients that have had treatment, and, you know, and, and you've had that experience already. Uh, but we really want to try to be systematic about it so we can collect good data and then really be able to offer good things to our patients. Yeah, yeah, and I know, so to give a little background, and I'm going to go ahead and give give you a verbal right to talk about some of the issues that I've had with my right arm, and I want you to to maybe just talk about best case scenario, how this process works, because it's a, from what I've researched and what you've told me, these stem cells, um, and I guess just to go through the process, um, one, with my right bicep, sure. I was to the point where if I had to carry a jug of milk into the house from the car or through a grocery store, if I had to carry a jug of milk in a 90 degree position, I almost felt like I had Charlie horses in my elbow, lower bicep, and it was similar to tennis elbow or extreme fatigue, um, tendonitis, that sort of feeling. And it's been excruciating. And it's from, I know it's from years of pulling my bow back and being in that that position at full draw and drawing my bow. Now, 
what I had to do was first go and get an MRI. Um, however, you guys do those there for amazingly cheap, but um, you get an MRI, and at that point, you're able to pinpoint you know, the issue or if it's a full-blown tear or if it's tendonitis or really what's going on to make sure that in best case scenario, this procedure is going to be right for you for one. Um, for me, it was. Um, we selected two different locations that we decided to inject um, the stem cells into. And I can tell you that... Um, you know, it felt extremely sore um, for the first day or two. I had to really focus on trying to keep it, you know, stretched out. But I also, um, I actually did some light shooting, um, and I've kind of focused on doing some light activity on it to prevent it from, well, to promote circulation. And, you know, I've, I've told you for the last several days now, that I just can't believe the fact there's certain things that I can do right now without pain that I was having pain with for the last five or six years with every single time I did them. And within three days, I'm not having pain. And also while shooting, um, I'm, you know, even shooting probably longer than what you tell me I should, um, I'm not <laughs> experiencing my pain anymore. Um, which is completely fascinating because it was something that arguably um, certain doctors that are that are surgery hungry could probably have tried to talk some people into doing something surgically to help to help this. Whereas I was able to to be in and out of the office in an hour, and three days later, I feel like I have a totally new right arm. And that's a pretty remarkable response, really, uh, and and something that even I didn't expect for you to start having relief that quickly. And one thing we did talk about was, and again, this is something that you described earlier. The thing this is this is a procedure that doesn't have a lot of data behind it yet. So some of the small things that aren't perfected are. For example, when I came in, you said, do you mind if we do some cardio before we do the injection because we're doing some studies to see whether or not this process is better post-cardio um, so that you have a little bit increased blood flow. And then obviously, um, I've done more, I guess, um, circulatory type activities post treatment than maybe what you would have recommended but i'm just kind of judging what i'm doing based off how my body's feeling and what my body's telling me and you know it's it's fascinating to me and and the way joe described it was that these these stem cells actually have been noted to follow or go to the the area of the body that needs repair they actually tracked there and then and then start to rebuild is that correct well there's a couple of different ways that we think that these are uh, benefiting us one may be simply from the fact that the stem cell and what a stem cell is is a cell that can become another type of cell in our body 
So it has the ability to change into what it needs to be at that location of injury. And so, you know, it may start as a, a cell that has uh, no particular definition, but it, if it can become similar to the cells that are, make up our tendon, then it can provide healing. So that's one option. Another option is it can work as sort of a, um, I guess the best way to maybe describe it to the audience is like a hormone signaling. So there are proteins that are released that send signals to your own body to then provide the things that we need to heal. Um, and so that's a second way that it, um, that it may be benefiting. And then the final way is, you know, it, it can have some of these anti-inflammatory and pro-inflammatory uh, benefits. Uh, so basically clearing out debris and things that are interfering with healing, but then promoting the delivery of uh, the healing items that we need. So when I was with you, you had told me that you, that there was um, somewhere you had, I don't know if you were part of it, but you said there was a study where they actually had a tracing dye in with these stem cells to be able to follow the, pa- the path of them. So I, wanna, I want you to describe that too, because this is almost something well, like... Well, they, they can put a radio, uh, sort of uh, a fluorescent marker on the cells, and then they can, they can track, and they, they see the migration of the cells. And that's what's, that's what's pretty exciting, is if you can actually have signaling from your body to tell the cell, this is where I need the attention, and it can go to that location and then send other signals through these growth factors and cytokines that draw the elements that we need for healing and, and start the process of healing and then continue it to completion. That's, that's what we're most excited about. Now, what... Um... Because really, a lot of these types of injuries that you're describing, the, the things that you have in your elbow, things like tennis elbow, uh, patellar tendonitis, all of these things that we use tendonitis to describe it, right? But the... The itis means inflammation, and when we do biopsy studies on this, there are no actual inflammatory cells. And so that led us to to change our terminology to tendinopathy. And what that means and and indicates really is degeneration of the tissue. Um, And so treatment with anti-inflammatory medications and other techniques may be pain-relieving, but they don't really get to the core of the problem, which is you've got degenerative tissue and you somehow need to create healing. So, you know, over time we've done things like try to deliver heat to the area, try to do things to increase the blood flow, uh, and then, you know, when, when those things were failing, then we look at surgical options where we're either reattaching a tendon or we're trying to create bleeding to cause this healing response. And that, that was a lot of the initial excitement about PRP, and I don't know if you're familiar with that, but this is platelet-rich plasma, which is uh, a technique where we draw blood. The blood is spun in a centrifuge, and it separates the layers. So the whole blood is down at the bottom, and then you see this platelet layer, which also has a lot of these growth factors uh, present and has had some very good history with certain applications, but a lot of the orthopedic things that we were wishing it would be great for have turned out to not be as good as we wanted. Now, some of that may, again, be because we were, you know, applying it in so many different ways and with so many different techniques that 
you know, we're not really sure what part of it is good and what isn't. Um, and that's what we got to be careful with with all of these other newer biologic treatments is we really want to get to the to the answer of, okay, what's the right mechanism, what science matches up, and then, you know, what's the best technique and how do we follow this, what's the right post-op care. Um, and then, you know, really important with anything that we treat is we got to look at the whole person, too. Um, you know, what's their activity level, what's their strength, what's their functional strength, um, what are the, all the other elements, you know, what's their diet like, are they, are they heavy smokers, are they heavy drinkers, are they doing other things and putting other things into their body that can be interfering with our chance to have a great outcome. So we can't ignore that as well, and that goes for anything that we do, whether it's, you know, surgery or an injection or medication. Okay, well, one thing, um, I guess the one, now there were two different types of injections that I had to choose from. Um, is, can you describe those, the differences in those two? Well, let's just back up and go through the main options in terms of uh, what the biologic treatments are. So um, PRP certainly could have been an option for you. Uh, number two would be um, in this group of stem cell category, you know, a bone marrow aspiration is an option. We can harvest fat cells uh, from you. Uh, and then the other option is the amniotic tissue. Um, and then with the amniotic tissue, there's both amniotic tissue and there's amniotic fluid. So your particular preparation was a combination of the, the amnion and chorionic tissue. Um, and that was a live cell preparation. So that um, that's that's what we used. It's it's freeze packed, and then we have to thaw it, and then we we added a little bit of saline just to increase the volume, um, and then we injected that at the two sites where you were having the most pain. Now for you, it was you had it in two spots, and it makes sense based on uh, your action and and the mechanics of your sport. So with your right arm, you're pulling back and you're pulling into elbow flexion, uh, or you're bending your elbow, right? So the two main muscles that bend the elbow are the brachialis and then the biceps. The spot that you are having the pain above the elbow um, is the brachialis muscle, and that's, that sits underneath or deep to your biceps. And your other spot was the attachment of the biceps tendon to the forearm, um, and that's where there was a little bit of what we call signal on your MRI. In other words, it was bright where it should have been dark, and that was an indication that there was some inflammation or degeneration, you know, wear and tear or even partial tearing of the tendon. So that's where we elected to place the two, the two injections. And, you know, our hope is that uh, the, at the one location above the elbow, I think that was more of a muscular injury, and you seem to have responded really well to that. Um, and then the other location uh, at the tendon attachment um, you know, we've seen some encouraging results from our uh, use of it there. So hopefully over time you notice at that spot, too, that, that you're just not really noticing any pain and you can do the activities like you like to. Now, what um, – and see, just so people understand. So let, me, uh, let me just back up. Let me back up one more thing because I just wanted to add um, the injection that we, we gave you was sent to us. We prepared it, and then we provided the injection. And as you have the video, but we do that under ultrasound guidance, so we can try to be very precise with our placement of the, 
the medication, although, as you said, uh, there is evidence that the cells migrate to the area of injury. Now, the other options, um, let's start with the fat. You can uh, inject local anesthesia into a patient, make a tiny stab incision, and you can harvest fat cells uh, with a commercially available kit, and then that can be prepared and then re-injected to the site of injury. A third option is to harvest bone marrow, and it's, it's a little more invasive, but again, we inject numbing medicine, we make a tiny incision, and then we take a coring needle, and it actually goes into the bone, uh, and one of the options is into the back of the pelvis. Uh, the bone marrow can then be aspirated or drawn out uh, and then re-injected. So these are options, each of which has its uh, pluses and minuses, the plus of drawing your own fat or bone marrow is that these are your own stem cells where these are available. Now, it may be available in uh, lower quantities. Uh, however, um, it's, it's your, own, uh, your own cells. And as we age, those are less and less available to us. The, the percentage of bone, or uh, excuse me, the percentage of stem cells in either our bone marrow or, or fat. Now, uh, finally, the, the advantage, we think, of the amniotic tissue preparations are that they also contain what we call the extracellular matrix. Now, this is the stuff that is secreted from the cells and then lives between the cells. And there are also proteins, uh, these growth factors and cytokines that we've talked about, that are the signals and the the, the way that kickstarts the stem cells to doing their action. So on a basic science level, that one, that particular choice has that advantage. It, it seems to have both elements that we need to get the cascade of healing started. Now, for the bone marrow one, that to me, that sounds like it could be pretty painful. What, I mean, is... How, well, how would you rate it's, that? Uh, it's not something that you would choose, you know, on any particular day. Um, but, uh, and, and I thought that too at first, and that's why I was a little reluctant to, to do that too much. But from what I've seen, um, it's, there is a little bit of pain involved. We can obviously uh, numb the area up and, and do a pretty good job with controlling a lot of that. And overall, it's, it's not as awful as it sounds like. That's about the best I can say. And, of course, everybody experiences pain differently. So to some people it may not be a big deal. To others it might be, you know, pretty bad. Yeah. And the other thing, too, is when you did this, when you, I guess one thing I want to touch on, just because I'm very familiar with um, the doping policies of the IOC and, and you know, what types sure. of doping issues um, World Archery deals with, um, you know, you did you did not use any type of, um, you, I mean, you more or less froze my skin before you did the injection. It's not like I had any narcotic. Right. Um, so there's a, it's a cold spray. It's called ethyl chloride and it just, it numbs the skin. Um, and the, really the only pain with the injection should be the tip of the needle entering the skin. And then once it's there, there shouldn't be a whole lot of pain. Right, right. And that's the other reason that we use the ultrasound is to try to avoid, you know, hitting any structures with the needle that we're not intending to be near. So 
certainly we don't want to inject any of the the um, cells or you know this this preparation into your vein or your artery and we we can avoid that because we can see that easily on the ultrasound but also just in general like for a knee injection I don't want to go banging into you know the bone with a needle tip because it's uncomfortable to the patient right now what so tell me um, what are the key areas because I know right now like the UFC is the UFC and the NFL are really focusing on this type of research for knee surgery preventions and elbow surgery preventions but why don't we talk about um what are the areas then that are like going to benefit from this procedure well what we can talk about is what are the what is the cell line you know what does it have the potential to become so that would be uh in the case of orthopedics the things that we care about would be bone cartilage muscle tendon and ligament and so we know that these mesenchymal stem cells have the ability to become that line of tissue. And so that's where our, our focus of our research is geared towards, is figuring out what of those types of injuries benefit from which type of treatment best. Now, you, you got to experience archery for the first time this weekend because I kind of dragged you to uh to I, the lo- to, I dragged you to the local archery shop there and and gave you uh the rundown of archery um based off what you know already about archery is there anything particular that you could give us advice wise um especially coming from sure. someone that specializes in orthopedics um for prevention for you know, prevention um, for one for future injury, but also people who shoot a lot and are experiencing um, some pain, either like tennis elbow style pain or, um, you know, shoulder style pain, which some of the shoulder pain is relative to people that are fit incorrectly. I know that there was a time where I was much more yeah. com- compressed on my front shoulder, and I experienced a lot more pain post-shooting than when I was set up correctly. But maybe give us some advice on what people can do if they are experiencing um, discomfort and maybe what they should do pre- or post-shooting um, activity. Sure. Well, uh, a lot of the the things in terms of preparation and prevention for archery are going to be similar to other sports. So the first couple of things that, uh, that I thought, you know, as, as we made our way in there was I wondered now a guy like you is going to have probably a lot more regimented warm up or preparation prior to a shooting session or competition. But I, I would imagine the average guy that's doing archery or going out to, to hunt, they may not spend any time at all, you know, preparing in terms of getting warmed up, any kind of stretching, uh, you know, they they may or may not uh, do much with a foam roller. They may or may not have much in terms of any kind of a strength and conditioning program. But I like that you guys are uh, putting out more information and encouraging people to be active in that way because I think that's going to uh, alleviate a lot of guys from even running into trouble. Uh, the next thing you touched on is making sure that your equipment is fit properly um, and that your mechanics are sound because, you know, just in that short amount of time, you showed me a couple of different things and I could see immediately like, okay, if I'm not, 
you know, following things correctly and I'm repeating this pattern over and over and over again, I'm going to create some problems for myself. So, you know, some of the basics for archery are going to be similar to almost any sport. You're going to have to have a strong core. And that was evident to me immediately when I, when I pulled the bow back for the first time is you realize you're, you're holding a plank position, but you're upright. And so that's going to be an important uh, part of maintaining your stability throughout your, your shot. And then, of course, over time. And what's going to break down first almost with anybody is their core. Uh, number two, it was very evident that shoulder stability was very important. So, you know, learning the exercises that can develop the muscles around the shoulder blade um, are going to be very important. And then, you know, just in general kind of uh, a program that addresses, addresses everything from head to toes is, of course, going to be beneficial and likely will decrease the chance of an injury. The next thing um, that we talked about a little bit is uh, people just need to realize what their training load is. And in, in this case, in, in archery, it may not be beneficial to shoot those extra 100 shots at the end of the day, right? I mean, that was something that I've heard you talk about. Yeah, for sure. I'm a, I'm a firm believer in um, I just really like to, to shoot when I, when I feel strong. I like to, I just really like to reinforce positive habits and positive shot execution rather than just trying to go through the motion just so that I get reps. So there's certainly days where I know that I'm going to have a bigger lifting day just from my routine. If I know that I'm going to be doing um, heavier lifts or heavier upper body lifts, then a lot of times what I'll do is I'll decide to shoot first thing in the morning um, and just be out there right when the sun's coming up and shoot first thing. That way I'm not trying to to utilize very small muscle groups that I, that are important for shooting when they're fully exerted because I just feel like um, for the average person, you're kind of putting yourself in a vulnerable position for an injury. Well, I, w- I would agree with that. I, I think um, if people are looking for some general rules, it, just a general training principle you know, says that about every fourth week you should back off on your load. And I think people will recognize and notice that if they can build that into their program um, and not always feel like they have to be pushing to do as much weight as possible or shoot as many shots as possible in a day, uh, what's going to happen is your performance is actually going to improve. So if you can regularly plan to have some rest and recovery, then I think you'll notice that your bounce back will be quite a bit better. Yeah. And that'll for, help avoid some of the, the long-term, you know, wear and tear type of issues. Now, if people are, um, if people are kind of in tournament prep mode or competition mode, or even people that are prepping for a hunting season and they're doing very high repetition days, you know, people that may be shooting a hundred, 200, 300 arrows a day. What is a doctor's recommendation for what you should do following your shooting to help, um, to really help, um, aid that muscle or those main archery muscles in recovery? Well, it's, you know, first of all, the, you know, the preparation beforehand. So anything that you can do to, 
get your heart rate up, increase your blood flow. Um, if you have areas of particular that you want to particularly attend to, you know, getting some heat on that area beforehand is helpful. And then afterwards, you know, take some time. Uh, again, the, the recovery period, you can, you know, get on a stationary bike. You can do something to uh, keep that um, heart rate up at the end. Um, any kind of uh, stretching and soft tissue work, whether it's with a foam roller or any of those types of techniques can be beneficial. Uh, certainly, you know, hydration and nutrition are going to play into your recovery. Um, in, in icing and, and just generally trying to get, you know, get some rest when possible. If you're in a period of where you're, you're wanting to ramp up and prepare for something, you can still have variability in your load during the week. So, you know, if you have a, a big heavy day, whether it's lifting or shooting one day, don't try to back that up the, the very next day with the same load or more. You know, just recognize that you're going to, you know, one day of, of a higher load and then back off the next day will allow you the following day to, to again, ramp it up. Yeah, for sure. And, and I get... The, I other, the other simple thing, too, is, is start your preparation sooner. You know, don't try to cram it all in a week before you're going to get out there. You know, start, you know, start looking ahead uh, two, two months, six weeks ahead of time, and then you can have more of a gradual increase um, in your repetitions, and you'll you'll risk that that kind of danger zone. The, the thing that always uh, ends up having people show up in my office is either they've started a new activity or they've had this sudden jump in their training load. That's always when you know this the very same story with anybody that comes in with a an overuse type injury. For sure, and one thing I guess I I neglected to do is um, just introduce the fact. <clears throat> Dr. McGee, that you deal with very (coughs) high-level athletes and you're a high-level athlete yourself. So these things are not coming from a doctor that isn't specific and highly aware of what athletes go through and what athletes need to do. And a big part of what I preach um, and what I've preached for a long time is that – my physical activities outside of the archery field have always given me an advantage as an archer um, simply because you know I make it I make it a year-round um, hobby um, rather than just a one month or two month you know kind of uh, you know I'm an archer I'm not just a hunter I guess and and that's kind of been my my saying that I've continued with, but I've also, I know that as a competitor, I've written about it many times that one of the most important things for athletes to do and what athletes often neglect is their rest and recuperation. And I know that, you know, there's mentally, you can only take vigorous training for so much period of time before you start to slip a little bit. So by preparing ahead of time you can actually almost prepare a little bit less leading up to like say the week of a hunt or a week of a major event and you allow your body to rest quite a bit and then come back i notice that a lot in fitness you know there's times where i'll go heavy um this was something that frank Mm -hmm. frank zane taught me um just the proper way to cycle 
Um, he's a big believer yeah. in cycling the same as, um, and I don't mean cycling on a on a bike, but um, cycling according. Sure, I understand. The, the term in the term in strength and conditioning is periodization. So you're you're having times of higher workload, times of lesser workload, and you're intentionally setting that up to continue to improve. You can't you can't continually increase your your weight in a particular lift over time. Because at some point, you're either going to get hurt or you're going to plateau, and you're not going to be able to push past that. But by incorporating periods of rest and recovery, and, and that doesn't mean rest like sitting on the couch. It just means decreasing either the amount of weight or your number of sets or reps. And by, by building that into your program, you, you'll actually make bigger strides. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it sounds like you've experienced that through <laughs> well, your own training. Oh yeah, yeah. It's I, th- you know, there's several different ways to relate to it. You can relate to it like, you know, if you go- if you golf a lot and you're average at best, and then all of a sudden you put it down for a while, you go out and your first day out you have this phenomenal round, and then <laughs> the more you play, you kind of end up sliding back to where, to where you were. But and the same's true with lifting. You know, there's times where I'm, where I'm really focused on my physical training and then all of a sudden a trip comes up or a vacation or something and I leave and I'm not able to do that for say a week or two weeks and as much as it gets under my skin and I feel like you know I've just got this it's just it's just my personal work ethic kind of picking at me saying man you're really missing out on your training you're slacking you're not doing it but then all of a sudden I get back to the gym that first day back and although I'm not really pumped or anything i'm fairly flat um i certainly have my strongest lift days and oftentimes when i'm shooting i have my strongest shooting days um those first few days back too so i mean that's something that's really important to to learn about yourself and be able to incorporate it into your training as well well i i think it's great that you're sharing that information with uh, a larger audience because this may be something that they haven't had exposure to yeah, well, I certainly, I certainly hope it's helping somebody. That's the whole point of these podcasts. But um, what I'm going to do is uh, I'm going to go ahead and give you um, the opportunity to give to give out your contact information. And for any of you out there sure. who are interested in a type of procedure or um, you know even really anything, um, you know you you are familiar with you know obviously you're you do everything. Uh, you do surgeries and the whole nine. So um, this could be a really good op- option. You did not do my shoulder, um, although you have you have trained and been under some of the the doctors that were you know related to my surgery. So um, I'll go ahead and let you give this out there. And for any of you archers who are are dealing with any archery related um, injury. Um, this could be a awesome resource for you. I really like uh, Dr. McGee, great guy, um, super enthusiastic um, about dealing. I'm enthusiastic about you know getting to meet him. I really thank Joe for introducing us. I know Joe um, really really appreciates um, you know the knowledge that you've given him too, and he's super super geeked out on this stuff right now. And I mean, he was so excited about it, then it, it was hard for me not to do it. And, you know, although I, I enjoyed being at UFC 200, 
my main purpose of really going was because I was really wanting to get this this right arm dealt with. It was it was preventing me from being able to do a lot of things that I want to do in my everyday life. And I uh, can't thank you enough about that. But uh, I'm going to let him give out his information. And then right after that, um, we're going to wrap this sucker up. So thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And uh, if you want to get healed up or hooked up on any type of uh, injury, you need to call Dr. McGee. He's an awesome, awesome guy. And I think you'll, uh, you'll definitely like his view on things as well. Well, I uh, really appreciate the chance to come on and talk with you. The uh, that morning at the uh, the uh, archery spot was uh, awesome for me. You definitely got me hooked. I'm looking forward to learning more and uh, looking forward to trying to shoot at a target that's not four feet in front of me. <laughs> you will. Don't worry. <laughs> so the uh, yeah, if, if people have uh, stem cell specific questions. Um, they can email us at info at stemcellinject.com. Um, and our website is totalsportsmedicine.com for our practice. But I really appreciate the, the chance to talk about some of this stuff. It's very exciting. It's exciting to have um, potentially some things that can help our patients where we've struggled with certain treatments in the past. Or potentially, you know, our, our excitement is that, you know, we want to find out can we can we get healing that's better than we've had in the past? Can we return people to sports faster? If any of those things you know, start to happen over time, then I think we really have uh, some exciting new things available to, to athletes, but also just anybody that has to get back to work or you know, has a hobby that they enjoy and it's taken away time from that. Is there a phone number people could call as well? Or would you prefer email? Oh, sure. The, the office number is 702 702- Four seven five four three nine zero, and all of this information is available at our website as well. Oh yeah, give that website out because that was a good resource for me to do some research. Okay, uh, totalsportsmedicine.com. All right, well, thanks everybody. Appreciate you tuning into another Knock On podcast, and I'll be coming at you soon with another one, pulling a bunch of uh, Q and As off a few of my social media things. I want to get after a bunch of these questions that I've seen the last few days that have been of interest to me. Uh, Get out there and shoot everybody. Knock on. Be sure to visit knockonarchery.com to see our entire line of trendy knock-on lifestyle clothing. knockonarchery.com